It's the JT The Brick Show. They get the snap ball. Hand off Jacobs. That's the first down of the goal. 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Raiders. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Raiders bring a blitz. He is smothered and brought down. Max Crosby came around for the sack. Your silver and black home to sound off for over 20 years. Shotgun snap to Stidham. Lobs to your corner for Adams. Makes the grab in the corner. Touchdown, Raiders. An absolutely perfect pass. And Adams dragged his feet in the back left corner. And now, filling in for JT today is Harry Ruiz. Damn, I'm so hyped after hearing Jason Horowitz highlights from last year because football is right around the corner with on-the-field action. We're less than three weeks away from the lone preseason game that we're going to be hosting out here in Las Vegas when the Las Vegas Raiders host the San Francisco 49ers, a former battle of the Bay. Second time that these two teams have played each other at that at this venue, but this time it's going to be preseason. One heck of a game last year on New Year's Day. Now it's going to be the first preseason game for both squads. I'm Harry Ruiz here filling in for JT The Brick. Thank you to Bobby Machado, our board operator and producer of this show also here controlling the ones and twos and thank you Raider Nation for tuning in we got a great show lined up for you here today after day number two of training camp 2023 for the Las Vegas Raiders I was out there this morning for a little bit over an hour yesterday they went 90 minutes today pretty much the same a little bit longer they're ramping up until being able to be out there on the fields for two hours I'll say this It felt hot, and I didn't notice how hot it was until I went back into the meter room for my backpack. Once I went back into the AC, I was like, damn, it does feel hot out there. And the players, they got their gear on. They're running around. They're doing way more physical activity than the folks in the media that were there and the fans that were in the stands. Shout out to Raider Nation for showing love. It's always great seeing all the Raider fans out there supporting their team. By the way, Max Crosby, I'm not afraid to say it right now. He's the most popular player on this squad for Raider fans. They love him. He loves them back. It was great talking with him yesterday during the press conference, and you know that he feels hyped, and I love that. In the end of January, he was already getting ready for this part of the preseason, for training camp, and this guy doesn't stop, and that's something that Raider Nation absolutely loves. Shout out to Mad Max. Today, more players and more coaches were available for media during the media availability. We'll hear in the second hour quotes from Chandler Jones, defensive end for your Raiders. Colton Miller, left tackle for the Silver and Black. A.J. Cole, the punter, who always is an amazing quote machine for the media, talking football and things out of the field and defensive coordinator Patrick Graham he also spoke today with the media so we will be hearing from them in the second hour here in the first hour and after the first break actually we're going to be talking with Ryan Sakamoto Beast the guy that I love bringing on the air because he brings a lot of knowledge of what's going on on the field with X's and O's with what he sees from the players he was out there every single day during mandatory mini camps when we were able to watch during OTAs during press conferences, now during training camp. It's his second year covering the Raiders. You can follow him at Beastrider on Twitter and on Instagram and, of course, his YouTube channel. He does a fantastic job there. So we will talk with him about the Raiders because we know – 
that what we're seeing on the field at this moment as media members, we are fortunate enough that it's our job to be able to go and watch and cover practice and give our observations and give our opinions on what's going on. We go every day. Fans, if I recall correctly, certain PSL holders, season ticket holders, they could have could picked up to two practices during training camp that they can go, that they can attend, and that they can watch what's going on. And that's pretty cool. And to be honest, I wish that more people would be able to go. There are a lot of fans going out there and attending and watching, but I still see a couple of empty spots where I'm like, you know what, if you invited some fans, even though if they weren't PSL holders, if they weren't season ticket holders, maybe they become fans. That would be a fantastic idea. Keep adding more of the Vegas community to the silver and black uh, bandwagon and keep creating more members of the Raider Nation. I think that would be a fantastic idea, and hopefully in the future that's something that's happening. Right now, training camp, it's the fourth year in a row, 2021, 22, 23, yes, that it happens in Las Vegas. When they were over in the Bay, they were up in Napa. They would uh, be in different places, and people would travel there to watch training camp, which was always packed. And now it's becoming a new tradition in Las Vegas in the Henderson area where the fans are able to go out there and support if they have PSLs, which, by the way, we know weren't cheap. So we'll be talking with Ryan Sakamoto about what went down today during practice and also Eric Winalda, former U.S. men's national team all-time leading scorer. He was surpassed by Clint Dempsey. He will talk to us about the U.S. women's national team, which is seeking their third consecutive World Cup in the tournament that's going down right now in Australia and New Zealand. They tied yesterday against the Netherlands. They're still undefeated and they still are the owners of their destiny with a win in their third game in this tournament. They will advance to the next round and Eric Winalda, he's been out there for previous U.S. Women's National Team uh, World Cup participations. So we'll hear from him to talk about that and also in the next week, in the next seven days, we're going to have two big international soccer matches going down at Allegiant Stadium. Manchester United, one of the biggest brands in all of professional sports, they're going to be taking on Borussia Dortmund, who almost stopped the Bayern Munich streak of Bundesliga titles in Germany. They'll be facing each other on Sunday at the Death Star. And then on Tuesday, uh, AC Milan will face Barcelona the reigning and defending um, champs over at La Liga in Spain. I'll be actually there at that game because I'm going to be the PA announcer. So if I bump into you, we bump into each other, please let me know. I'll be out there at Allegiant Stadium. It'll be great to be back at Allegiant Stadium for the first time in a while. And, of course, Eric Winalda, he's an expert. He has his own radio show that he's actually going to be jumping on the air with us right before he does his own over at SiriusXM. So, Thank you to Eric Winalda ahead of time. And we'll be talking about that. Baseball, Shohei ain't going nowhere. He's staying in Anaheim. He ain't in L.A. He's in Anaheim with the Angels, who are at the moment beating the Detroit Tigers 6 to nothing in the bottom of the eighth inning with Shohei still on the mound, starting the bottom of the eighth with 84 pitches. So he ain't going nowhere. Artie Moreno, he's... Holding on to his prized possession. Now the thing is, will he be able to keep him over there next to Mickey Mouse in Anaheim? That's going to be the big 
question mark. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about baseball, what's going on all around the major leagues. And, of course, I want to hear from you, Raider Nation. 702-365-9200 is a number that you need to call to come on the air here with me. If I don't have a guest, the phone line is open for you. All the time. Saquon Barkley, he spoke today. And, um, of course, Josh Jacobs it was in the same situation as Saquon. They were planning on holding out because they weren't able to get uh, an extension before the deadline came through. But the thing now is, Josh Jacobs, today, on July 27th, he's the only player under the franchise tag that didn't show up. On, uh, for training camp. Why? Because he isn't under contract. He didn't sign the franchise tag. Meanwhile, Saquon Barkley, he signed the franchise tag when they added some incentives, and now he's going to make up to $11 million instead of $10.1 million in 2023. Let's hear from Saquon Barkley today out at his uh, first media appearance after signing that little extra money with the Giants. I kind of just followed my heart. Obviously, I heard what everyone was saying in, in the news or social media, but I kind of just followed my heart. Um, and then, you know, you got to look at it as a business point. Uh, from a business view, I felt like what's the best thing that I can do? Um, and some people may agree or disagree with this. And, you know, to sit out or sit in. And I feel like for this year specifically, the best thing that I can do um, for myself would be coming back, uh, going out there, play the game that I love, playing for my teammates, um, doing something I want to do since I was a little kid. And I understand I know what's going on with the running back situation and me being tagged and the value of the running back continue going down. Um, only way that I feel like, you know, someone that's that's going to change, uh, someone got to make a change. And God willing, hopefully I could be one of those people to do it. Yeah, but he ain't going to be the guy right now. And now that responsibility pretty much just is on Josh Jacobs' back. Yes, he got a little extra money, Saquon Barkley did, but he also didn't get the guarantee that next season he won't be franchise tagged. So there's that. And at the end of the day, here we're going to hit, uh, listen to Saquon Barkley talk a little bit more about being out there at training camp and why this is the best decision for him. Yeah, I was. Um, that's a play that I have. Um, but I'll be completely honest. Uh if I sat out this year and say if the the New York Football Giants and I sat out and we didn't have a good record, you think that's going to make another team in free agency or the Giants want to have me come back the next year after I sat out, sat out a whole year and be like, oh, we want to give you $15 million a year now. Like, I don't think I don't think that's how it's going to work. And after, you know, having conversations and really breaking it down, when you sit there and you break it down like that, you're like, you know, only way that I'm going to make a change or do something that's going to, you know, benefit for myself and my family is doing what I do best. And that's showing up, playing the game I love and do at a high level. So that was the ace in the hole that he had sitting out, not playing during the 2023 season. But at the end of the day, he reconsidered and he was like, hey, if I sit out, things might not get better for me coming back next year, which is exactly what happened to Le'Veon Bell. When he sat out in 2018 and then he came back, he wasn't the same player. And we know that that's not positive for him. And that's why everyone thought the moment that 
they didn't get contract extensions or sign long-term deals. And I'm talking about the two running backs that hadn't signed their franchise deals, Josh Jacobs with the Raiders, Saquon Barkley with the Giants. We were all thinking, okay, they're going to sit out training camp. They're going to avoid having those workouts with the team and then come back once training camp is over, once preseason has ended, once all the roster moves are made, and then be able to go in and practice and not have any risk of injury out in all those dog days of summer where teams are practicing like today, the Raiders, under this Vegas heat. But at the same time, I look at what guys on the field are doing, like Samir White, like Britton Brown, Amir Abdullah, Brandon Bolden, Jacob Johnson. I know he's a fullback, but he's in that running back room. Austin Walter, you see these fellas putting in the work And you know that they're going to pop some plays and open some eyes with the coaching staff. Believe me, Zamir White getting selected by the Raiders. He was their second second pick made in the 2022 draft after Dylan Parham. And everybody was like, whoa, wait, running back right now? We already got Josh Jacobs. What's going on? And now Zamir White and Britton Brown, they're getting those extra snaps. They're getting those extra opportunities. And right now, it's, for them, the best chance they have to make themselves noticed. 28 isn't on the field? Well, 35 is. 38 is. 22 is. These guys now want to earn these opportunities. And once the preseason action starts, I wouldn't expect Josh Jacobs to play in the preseason like last year, by the way. But he isn't in, so Zamir White and Britton Brown, these are great opportunities for them. Heck, I'll tell... A story, I hope I don't get in trouble for it, last year, 2021 and 2022. I was calling the Raider games on the radio, but I was doing play-by-play first and third quarters. I was doing color analyst gig second and fourth quarters. My broadcast partner, he goes out of town for three games, and I get to sit in as a play-by-play announcer for three games. I got lucky enough that two of those games were walk-offs, Denver and Seattle, and then a great win against the Chargers. Next day, I get called in. Okay, we want you to call the games four quarters from now on. If my broadcast partner isn't gone those three games, I might have not had the opportunity to call all the action and then go into this year being the play-by-play announcer in Spanish for the Raiders for the full four quarters, which is completely different than just calling first and third where you got guys not doing the same thing as they do at the end of the first half or at the end of the games where you get to call the big plays. Where if that hadn't happened, I wouldn't have called that Chandler Jones touchdown. The win against the Patriots. That went semi-viral. So it's all about being there, being present, taking advantage of opportunities. But at the same time, nobody, in my opinion, can say that the Raiders are doing the wrong thing. Or that Josh Jacobs is doing the wrong thing. Both of them are playing their cards in the best way. It's like if one has... Four aces on the table if you're playing Texas Hold'em and somebody else has a royal flush. Both are great hands, and with both of them, you would go all in. Thing is, who's going to fold first? Who's going to be like, okay, are the Raiders going to offer Josh Jacobs an extra $900,000 like the Giants did to Saquon Barkley to bring him in for training camp? Or are the Raiders comfortable letting Josh Jacobs sit out during training camp and then come back in. It's 
a fascinating story. And we got a little bit over a month to see it unfold out here in Las Vegas in Henderson. In the meantime, I'll say this. I'm liking a lot what I'm seeing from Zamir White. He's doing a good job on the field. I know that there's no pads involved until next Tuesday. And on Tuesday, we'll see what goes down over there. I'll tell another quick story before we go to break. Uh, Dalvin Cook's brother, uh, James Cook, he was out at uh, the Pro Bowl in the same area I was at in the Winfield Club. And we were watching the game, talking with players and everything while as they came over. Dalvin Cook was coming often and uh, partaking in some activities there with his family and his friends. And out of nowhere, James Cook out of, was like, hey, Raider fans, come on over. I'm going to get shots for everybody. You know why? Because you guys got my – I'm cleaning it up, by the way. I can't go uncensored here because – but he's like, I'm going to get everybody shots because you guys got my boy, Samir White. When he gets the rock with the Raiders, you guys are going to be wearing his jersey real soon. I was like, hey, that's a good approval from another fellow NFL or NFL player, and we'll see. I mean, players in the league, they won't give props just to anybody – and James Cook, he really likes some of your white. We shall see if it ends up panning out for the Raiders player. Of course, James Cook and Zamir White were teammates in the University of Georgia. Let's go to a quick break, but I want to remind you that this month, it's the 75th anniversary of the Margarita, famously created by Margaret Sames in Mexico with Cointreau as a main ingredient. Celebrate the 75th anniversary of the Margarita all summer long with Cointreau. I know Bobby Machado, once we go to a commercial break, he's going to go get his margarita. Let's go to it, and after the break, we're bringing in Beast, Ryan Sakamoto. to the JT The Brick Show with today's guest host, Harry Ruiz. One of the positives, you know, obviously the size. You like to see guys up front. You know, you want to have some size down there in terms of length. He has that. And really, it comes down. Anytime you, you hear about the positive vibes and stuff, it's because guys are working hard. So whether it's Plant, whether it's Nesta, all those guys are working hard. I mean, again, don't want to single anybody out. You know, Byron, Tyree, they're all working hard. That's when the veterans start to talk about them when they're working hard and they see that they're trying to get better. There is Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator for the Silver and Black in today's media availability at the Intermountain Health Performance Center, which, by the way, I just found out yesterday, it's not Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center anymore. It's Intermountain Health Center. Or Health Performance Center. There you go. It's not healthcare anymore. Just health. There you go. Just a 411 out there for Raider Nation. Somebody that was in that media room during these press conferences this morning was Ryan Sakamoto, also known as Beast Rider on Twitter and on Instagram and on YouTube, doing a fantastic job covering the silver and black. He joins us here right now on the JT The Brick Show on this beautiful Thursday afternoon. Beast. Give me your observations so far of training camp for the Raiders. Yeah, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, initial observations is it's really hard to kind of start the eval evaluation process on some of these players because they're in shorts, you know, they don't have the pads on. But um, from just the, the lens that we see, they're doing a really good job. I, I feel like they're a lot faster this year than they were last year at this point. 
Um, maybe it could be because they're in the same scheme. Maybe because they're they have familiar, um, they're more familiar with the techniques that are being asked by the positional coaches. Uh, what the case may be, they they seem to look a little bit faster um, than at this point last year. So all signs are pointing in and trending in the right direction. Now it it all comes down to once the pads come on, then we're really going to have to see the evaluation on how well these guys have progressed from this year from last year. And that's going to go down on Tuesday out there in Henderson, Nevada. Beast, I want to ask you, Jimmy G, Jimmy Garoppolo, a lot of question marks were surrounding him once we found out about the surgery when it was reported by Tashan Reed and Vic Tafur from The Athletic. Uh, we saw him out there. He's out there during uh, training camp. What are your first impressions about him? Uh, you know, it's the same Jimmy G. You know, I, I covered him back in San Francisco, so I'm very familiar with Jimmy. Uh, there's nothing new. He, I mean, he, he already won the locker room. That's not something that uh, I thought would be an issue because he's a people person, not just with the teammates, but within the media, too. So, again, um, very professional, both on and off the football field, gets it from the shoulders up, very smart, very savvy, um, has familiarity with uh, Jerry Shaplinski, who's now the tight end coach with his time in New England. And so when you put all that together outside of the scheme that he was already in coming into the league with New England, uh, it's no wonder why they brought him in here. And I think it just comes down to whether or not he could stay healthy or not. We're watching practice, and I posted up some videos on my YouTube channel, and he looks fine to me, and he looks fine to everyone else. So, uh, again, trending in the right direction. Once the pads come on, we're really going to see some things from Jimmy G and see how he is progressing up to this point. And obviously you mentioned that he won over the locker room. We've heard great compliments from his teammates so far, having him out there on the field. But you can't just create chemistry from being in that classroom, right, on being uh, in studying, on getting all your notes ready for the playbook that is coming through for the Silver and Black. You also have to build that chemistry with your wide receivers. Are you seeing that so far from Jimmy G and these practices that we're allowed to stay in the whole way? Yeah, I mean, the timing is everything, right? So timing comes down to the offensive line doing their job and blocking up front. Uh, the wide receivers, how they run different routes. You know, some might take a false step here or there, so you have to adjust for that. Some people or some receivers like the ball being placed in a certain spot rather on the back shoulder. So, again, um, all these things come into play. That's going to come with repetition and muscle memory. And, again, anytime you have a new quarterback stepping into a new situation or a new wide receiver like a Philip Dorsett stepping into a new situation, the quarterback-wide receiver dynamic has to take place. And you guys know uh, when everything is about timing, it just takes repetitions for them to get on the right page. So, again, I'm not uh, – I'm very confident that everything is going to be trending in the right direction. I'm really eager to see how Jimmy G does in his first year in silver and black. But, again – Once the pads come on, we'll get a further evaluation on how that process has gone. And, of course, right now they're taking the rust off, let's say it that way, from that time between OTAs and the beginning of training camp. Well, pretty much everybody except Max Crosby, who's a madman, and he's always getting ready, and he's always prepared, and that's why he's one of the best players in the league. But you look over at it, we go from the run, the quarterback position to the running back position, and somebody that isn't out there uh, taking the cowwebs out is Josh Jacobs. But that opens opportunities for other players. What have you seen from the running back room so far? Because, in my opinion, Zamir White is looking at good out there on the field. Oh, yeah. Zeus White just needs to be given the opportunity. Obviously, he is going to be on the level of Josh Jacobs. You know, likely not, but I'm not going to count it against him. I mean, there's only one Josh Jacobs. But 
Um, that's not to say Zeus White can't get it done. I think he's going to have a very successful NFL career. Um, but it, it will be by a committee approach. I think Amir Abdullah is going to be the third down back. He's been leading team drills. Um, I've heard some good things from Brandon Bolden, um, from other teammates that he's kind of taking on that leadership role. So again, when you have guys like that who are taking on that seasoned veteran approach and helping the younger guys like Azus White, like a Britton Brown out of UCLA, uh, like a Sincere McCormick, you're going to see all parties involved going to take on and say, hey, you know, we wish Josh Jacobs was here. I mean, that running back room is really, really tight. I mean, everyone loves everyone. So again, the iron sharpens iron mentality is still alive and well at Raider Way. And again, unfortunately, Josh Jacobs isn't there, but again, other guys have to step up. Um, and I think you're going to see a big Deuce, um, uh, sorry, a big um, Zeus, uh, Zeus White getting his uh, getting his lion's share of the reps as the season progresses, or I should say, as the off season progresses, um, because Josh Jacobs isn't there. Exactly, and now going to that wide receiver room, Jacoby Myers, six two guy in the slot. I was seeing him move around, and he moves so swiftly that I'm like, yo, this is this is the kind of weapon that Josh McDaniels wants to have on a squad. Oh, yeah, absolutely. A big-body target, very smart, knows how to find the soft spots in zone coverage. I was watching him run drills, and you can just see he understands the why behind why they're running certain routes. And, again, not just from his standpoint, from the offensive side, but the defensive side. So the defense, you know, they they have their own rules of engagement there on the secondary. But Jacoby Myers does a really good job at, uh, how do I say it? manipulating his routes to make it seem like he's going one way and then switching gears and going the other. So, again, these are all things that Jimmy Garoppolo needs, especially as his security blanket because Michael Mayer is going to be that guy down the field. And more times than not, he'll be looking to that slot. Um, in San Francisco, he had that guy with Debo Samuel being the wide back. He also had Brandon Ayuk um, and then Jawan Jennings. But now... You have Jacoby Myers and Devontae Adams along with Hunter Renfro. That's a new trio of dynamic receivers that he can kind of work with. And uh, if you were to say that, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo never had this type of receiving threat on his, in his career uh, as a, a triple threat option, I think you can make a case that, hey, yeah, have you had a Devontae Adams before? No. Um, and so that's one of the things that's going to help Jimmy G progress and really take that next step because I, get, I think he's eager to prove doubters wrong that he can win in this league um, and win the big one. So, again, baby steps, but, again, all, all is trending in the right direction. We're talking with Ryan Sakamoto. Follow him at Beast Rider on Instagram, on Twitter, and on YouTube. Beast, I have to ask you about Cam Sims, a guy that is 6'5", that is a big target also out there on the field. Can we think that this is the replacement for Mac Hollins, who had very similar physical attributes as Cam Sims, or are they completely different players in your opinion? I mean, that's a good, good question. I think once I can see how they're using Cam Sims, obviously he could be a burner down the seams, but, uh, sorry, uh, and, and deep between the 20s, but um, we're just going to take a wait-and-see approach. I think they would like him to take on that role, but at the end of the day, there's so many good wide receivers. I mean, there's so much competition there. Um, let's not forget, they went ahead, and I know he's a different type of a player, but DeAndre Carter, another guy who I covered in San Francisco, he's one of the more underrated guys, and they drafted Trey Tucker. So if you're looking at the numbers game, you have Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers, Hunter Renfro, DeAndre Carter, Trey Tucker, you find Philip Dorsett. What does that leave Cam Sims? And you also have Keelan Cole, um, who was with the team last year. So, 
again, there's a lot of competition brewing at the wide receiver spot, but I wouldn't be surprised if Cam Tim shined and kind of took on that role as a, as a 7-8-9 bigger type of a guy deep downfield. It's tough to talk right now about the defense because they are purposely put in the furthest field from where we're at. Today I actually let you borrow <laughs> my binoculars so you could get a closer look at the action. What, did you, what have you seen so far about this Raiders D led by Patrick Graham? Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's very, very unique, right? And unique is a word that I like to use because we've seen it, right? Are you a 4-3 defense or are you a 3-4 front? I think it's a mix and match of the two, and, and Coach Graham alluded to that last year. And You're seeing the guys that they bring in personnel-wise, and you see that, right? The guys that can play a two-gap or a one-gap scheme. Um, I, I really like what I've seen from Divine Diablo. I mean, he made a couple plays in back-to-back practices now where he almost came up with an interception, one off Jimmy Garoppolo and today off Ryan Hoyer. So, again, when you look at a player who, in my grading system, when I graded Devon Diablo right before his injury, people are saying, oh, he's stuck in pass coverage. I always beg to differ. You look at the last three, four games, body of work and pass coverage, and you run the snaps, and you can kind of see how Devon Diablo's playing it. Again, a converted safety going down to a second-level backer is not an easy transition. And so now you use what you saw in the last three, four games before his injury, and then you double down on those games in the last two practices where he almost comes up with an interception, but getting his hands on the ball. I mean, turnovers are huge. They only had six last year. Four of them are going to be gone uh, from last year because Denzel Perryman and Duron Harmon are no longer with the team, so that just leaves two by a meek. So with that being said, you want turnovers. That's why they brought in Marcus Peters. That's why they want Devon Diablo to kind of take that next leap of faith. And that's why they brought in guys like Robert Spillane who can kind of get guys in the right direction and in the position to make those plays. So again, a lot of, a lot of things are going and trending in the right direction. I just hope that all things can come together quickly enough once the season rolls around. And my last question for you, Beast, Ryan Sakamoto, at Beast Rider on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Uh, of course, all the headlines are going with Marcus Peters, the new addition for the Raiders. But one yeah. name that I was seeing that was being avoided by a lot of folks in their projections when it comes to roster projections, 53-man ro- roster projections, was Amik Robertson, who's in the last year of his rookie deal. Yeah. We saw him make a couple of plays against Devontae Adams. Do you think Amik has what it takes to stay on that roster? Because I actually do think he's going to stay. Oh, absolutely. I love Amik. I mean, uh, it's, it's not a question. Coming out of the draft, I thought he was going to be a, uh, one of those guys that's going to be a sleeper pick. Um, and when the Raiders drafted him, I was like, man, they really got a steal. So, Amik, again, if you look at last year and grade the snap, not the box score, you will notice Amik making more splash plays than any other player in that secondary. All right? That's just fact. And so when you double down on that, and again, you see him making plays uh, this week um, and the practices that you just alluded to, especially against Devontae Adams, where it's kind of going back and forth and talking trash to Devontae, which is good, right? We want to see that um, as long as you back it up. And Amika's backing it up. So I think Amika's going to be a strong player in this league. It, it ultimately comes down to whether or not GM David Eager and Coach McDaniels believe he can have an encore performance or take that next step in this scheme. That's another um, case to be had, but if it was up to me, I would have a meek on this on this roster, no doubt.
There you go. Ryan Sakamoto at Beast Rider on Twitter, on Instagram, on YouTube. Make sure you give him a follow. He's out there every day during Raiders training camp. Beast, I really appreciate you jumping on the air, and we'll be checking out your streams out there. One of these nights, I'll be able to jump on the air with uh, there with you. It's always fun talking with you, my brother. Oh, likewise, man. Thank you so much for having me, and uh, keep up the strong work, man. You know we grind, grind it out every single day. So thank you so much for having me, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Ryan Sakamoto, who has quickly become one of my favorite guests because he brings a lot of knowledge and he's out there every day of practice. He knows what he's doing. And Raider Nation, I know they're liking what he's doing as well. And when you talk about the Raider Nation, you got to talk about the black hole because they've been the foundation of the nation with over 40 chapters worldwide since 1995. If you bleed silver and black and want to connect with other diehard fans, visit theblackhole.com and become an official member of of football's most notorious fans. Let's go to a break. Eric Winalda, he'll be catching up with us after it. Home of the famous New York-style coal-fired brick oven pizza. Now The U.S. Women's National Team played their second game of the 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup yesterday. A 1-1 draw against the Netherlands. The U.S. women are going for their third consecutive FIFA World Cup championship. That would be That is impressive that they've won two in a row. Three would make it historic. And to talk about it, I got my good pal, a guy that I used to talk to more every single day than my own family, and I think it was the same vice versa. Eric Winalda. Eric, how are you, my man? I'm good, buddy. Good to hear your voice. Absolutely. We text a lot nowadays, like all the millennials do it and Gen Zers. And it's great to be able to be on the radio because I actually get to talk with you. Tell me about the U.S. Women's National Team, which yesterday they trailed in a World Cup game for the first time in 2011. They were able to get a draw out of it against the Netherlands. Well, I mean, a couple things going on. Um, The Netherlands went through a coaching change in between there. And they have gone uh, the the new coach Yonker. He's 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 totally different uh, than uh, Weigman, who is the new coach of England, by the way. And they play with a, a different system. So what we saw yesterday was pretty much a masterclass from a coach who knew how to play against the U.S., who spread them out, wasn't afraid to play with three defenders and just go man for man, straight up three on three. Uh, so Sophia Smith, um, uh, Trinity Rodman, and Alex Morgan basically were one-on-one the whole game. And what that means is there was five people in the midfield, and that's one more orange shirt than we could deal with. So you hats off to their, their coaching staff. They did a great job. They confused the U.S. They made them chase the game. At times, uh, to quote Ali Wagner, they were chasing shadows. Uh, but they get a great, a fantastic captain's goal from Lindsey Horan. Uh, one one will have to do, but it was not a great game for the U.S. They were, they were just basically taken back by a better plan. But um, hopefully they'll get it figured out when they uh, play against Portugal in a couple of days. And also the U.S. They're not at full force. They got multiple injuries from players that were slated to be starters as well. Right? How hard is that a hill to climb to be able to get the three peat? Well, I mean, that's the thing, man. That's got to be hard. You know, they're, they're trying to go for, for an unprecedented three in a row. 
They did have some injuries. There was some question marks about the original selection process. Uh, Megan Rapinoe didn't even feature in yesterday's game, and it really comes down to Rose Lavelle. Rose Lavelle wasn't, hasn't played a game since March. Um, she's so good. Uh, if you go back to that Netherlands-U.S. final, World Cup final, that she just took over the game, scored the second goal, and was absolutely fantastic. She's just not all the way there, Harry. She's not. She, she looks a little slow on the turn. Uh, she's trying to do too much at times, and it's got to be it, it's got to be difficult for this group who has 14 players who are playing in their first World Cup, and they can't even tap into uh, some of their better veteran leadership. So it's, um, it's not the best of times for this U.S. team. They are not the the best version of themselves right now, which is also okay because it's still early early days in this tournament, but. Yeah, it's, it's, they didn't look great yesterday. Um, and again, the Netherlands had a great plan, and we, had, we basically had a referee who swallowed her whistle. There were so many fouls out oh, there. Oh, my God, I know. <laughs> Number 14, I'm forgetting her name, and I apologize. I think it was uh, Grona. She was, she was sitting on her third red card, if I'm, on, if I'm the referee in that game. But, um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a battle. It was scrappy, and the U.S. Uh, gets out of there with a tie. Uh, but they, they're going to have to play better if they're going to go further in this tournament. Or heck, the hit on Lindsey Horan right before she scored the goal, that was like, whoa, you got to yeah, stop that, that was, player. That, I love his name, Vandedunk. That was Vandedunk. <laughs> yes. And the funny part is, is those two play on the same team in, in, in Europe. So um, that was uh, you know friendly fire, if you will. But the her reaction to that is what I took away from it. Lindsey Horan, as the captain, spitting and swearing on the sidelines, as mad as she was. She comes back in the game. The ref tries to get those two to make up. Lindsay refuses, which everybody could say, well, you always got to... At the end of the, the game, moment. they did. Yeah, they did. But in that moment, you know, let them play. And to be fair, the referee trying to calm the game down ended up serving the Americans well by finally getting, getting the, the Netherlands to click out on a, on a corner kick. Fantastic header, great goal, but um, I, I would actually argue if that referee doesn't try to calm the game down, um, that goal doesn't happen. The only person she couldn't calm down was Lindsay Horan, who, who had a great captain's goal. We're talking with Eric Winaldo, former U.S. men's national team member, former U.S. men's national team all-time leading scorer and a, an absolute soccer savant. Eric, you said unprecedented about the three-peat, and not only in the Women's World Cup, but it has never happened in the Men's World Cup right. either. If you had a dollar to bet on the champion for the FIFA World Cup in the women's side right now in this tournament, would you go with the U.S. or the field? Uh, the field. I think Spain's better right now. I think Germany is, is a better version of the Netherlands, if, if, if that makes sense. And um, Brazil looks terrific. Japan is very good. I mean, if you're if you're going to rate the teams, I think the American team, what they've showed us so far, they're probably fourth or fifth best in this competition right now. They're going to have to get a lot better. Um, you know, if, if Megan Rapinoe can come in and and I'm not saying save the day, but 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 really bring in some leadership and Rose Lavelle can get healthy, then it's a different story. But right now, right now, I, I put all four of those teams. Japan, Germany, Spain, uh, and Brazil ahead of the U.S. Brazil, well, I, Borges is uh, I call her gorgeous Borges. She she scores a hat trick in her in her first uh, game in the World Cup uh, the other day. 
some of the best team goals I've ever seen uh, in a World Cup from Brazil the other night. So, yeah, the U.S. has got to get out of the group, obviously. They've got to be Portugal. But they, they've also um, they've put themselves in a position where they're looking at the opposition. There's a couple of teams that uh, are clearly better than they are right now. My last question about women's soccer. Next FIFA Women's World Cup, are you going to be out there as a soccer dad following somebody yeah, special? Yeah, my daughter Tatum. Yeah, we, you know what's great is Alyssa Thompson who hasn't really gotten minutes in this World Cup. Um, she's she's a hometown kid. So I played with my daughter, you know, way back when when they were thirteen, fourteen years old. It's just so cool to see an eighteen year old make the team. My daughter's eighteen, uh, and, and it's cool for for Tatum uh, who plays her soccer at Pepperdine University. We're going to start up pretty quick here in about a month. It's pretty cool to have somebody that you used to train with and you stood alongside. Uh, um, on the field now representing the U.S. In, in the biggest stage. So, yeah, we're hoping. We're hoping someday that she'll uh, she'll make it there. That'd be great. Oh, I follow her on social media, and she killed it during her freshman season. All freshmen out there, uh, shout out to her. Hopefully you're out there watching soccer. I'm pretty sure you're going to be watching soccer at Allegiant Stadium this Sunday, right? Manchester United versus Dortmund? You got the invite? Well, no, so- dude, it's time to be a soccer dad. My son Braden is going to be down in San Diego, so we're going to miss it. Oh, know? no! And he's a huge Manchester United fan, right? Well, you know, wait, hold on. We are, we are, all the boys in my family are Manchester United fans. But Shout out to Timmy, too. We might do, we might, might, might just jump on a plane, catch the game, and then try and get our butts back to San Diego. That's still a, a, in, within the realm of possibility. But no, it's soccer dad, soccer, soccer coach uh, down in the San Diego Surf Cup this weekend. So. Well, we'll see. I'll go back and forth. Who knows? There you go. Catch a flight. That's easy. Manchester United, Borussia Dortmund. How big is that game to be have, happening out here in Las Vegas? Well, I mean, for for the fans here, I mean, I, obviously the local the locals. There is a lot of Manchester United fans in town, but there's going to be a lot of drive-ins from California and Arizona to to see this game. Um, it's just a you know, it, it's a wonderful opportunity for for both of those sides, Manchester United and Dortmund, to spread the brand and. Let people know, you know, just, just to have that, that, that feel where you can actually go watch the team you support. We saw this with Arsenal when Arsenal was, was uh, playing against the MLS All-Stars and they blasted our MLS All-Stars 5-0. But the fans really got to see their team and they don't have to go across the pond to do it. So great opportunity, great venue, of course. Uh, really looking forward to, you know, at least Vegas enjoying that. I'm, I'm hoping to, to take part. Oh, I don't know yet. We'll see. And talking about Borussia Dortmund, I mean, heartbreak for them in the final minutes of their season. They were almost about to dethrone Bayern Munich as the champions in uh, Germany, and that didn't happen. They ended up in second place, but like you said, they want to grow their brand. Somebody that, in my opinion, doesn't need to grow their brand. It's already big enough. Barcelona, they're in town on Tuesday against AC Milan. I mean, two games of that caliber in a 72-hour span. I mean, I don't think anybody dreamed of that back in 2017 when we still didn't have Allegiant Stadium as a done deal. Yeah, right. And it's such a great venue, too, and it's, it really is uh, an opportunity not just for, for those, uh, those teams to come out here, but they've recognized what a great venue uh, Allegiant is. So, I mean, that's, I mean, look, Dormant having the American Geo Reyna, uh, AC Milan now having Christian Pulisic. We have to say Pulisic now. We can't, have to, we can't say Pulisic. He's cleared it up. It's Pulisic. So everybody can put the itch at the end. But, I mean, two Americans uh, will be visiting, you know, be in town. So you don't want to miss that. Make sure you get out and, uh, and support. Tuesday, will you be at Allegiant? 
I'll see you there. That one I guarantee you I'm not going to miss. There you go. I'll be the PA announcer that game, so hopefully I can go down a little bit earlier to say what's up. Eric Winalda, former U.S. men's national team all-time leading scorer, still and forever will be a U.S. men's national team legend. Eric, tell the folks at home where they can follow you on social media and, of of course, listen to you as well. Yeah, no, so we're, we're, we're doing the Daily Show. We're a counterattack on Sirius XM, of course. That starts in about eight minutes, so I got I to gotta run. And, of course, at, at Eric Winov at uh, Twitter. So just behave, Twitter. Can't we just get along? Just, just be nice. The answer, unfortunately, <laughs> is almost always no. For some reason, people <laughs> love hating. Craziness, craziness. But it's okay. I like crazy. There he goes. Eric Winov, thank you so much. Muchas gracias, mi hermano. You got it. We'll see you. There he goes. Follow him on social media. An entertaining follow for all the folks that love soccer, a sport that keeps growing in the United States. Unfortunately, Vegas, it seems like we're not getting an MLS team for a while. They've been trying for a long time, and it just hasn't happened. But with Allegiant Stadium, we're getting national teams playing out here. Mexico played three times in a month at Allegiant Stadium. The U.S. last year, they won out uh, the Gold Cup? No, the Nations League against the U.S. out here. So we're getting plenty of soccer for the fans of football and not only football. So we get more and more sports here in Sin City. We know that basketball's coming. We know that baseball's coming. We already got the WNBA. We already got the NHL with the Stanley Cup champs. And, of course... The granddaddy of them all, the NFL with the Las Vegas Raiders. Now we just got to get the Raiders to the pinnacle. Heck, the Super Bowl will be happening in less than 200 days here in Las Vegas. Bobby has been a resident here in this city for a long time. When the heck did we dream that we would have every single uh, sports uh, when we're talking about the big four in town in a Super Bowl? This was a place where everybody came to watch the Super Bowl on TV. Now they're going to watch it in person. Hour number two will kick off briefly here on the JT The Brick Show. We will start listening from players and coaches from media availability today at the Intermountain Health Performance Center Raiders headquarters where the team had day number two of their training camp. And when you talk about the Raiders, you talk about Modelo because they're an official cerveza of the Raiders and the official beer of fans with the fighting spirits. Modelo rooted in the heart of the Raider Nation. Drink responsibly. Imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. My phone lines will be open the rest of the day for you. Raider Nation, 702-365-9200. So make sure you get those calls in. I already got my two guests out of the way. Now, my favorite guests in the world, you, Raider Nation, 702-365-9200. I want to hear from Vegas. I want to hear from Oakland. I want to hear from L.A., Texas, anywhere that you're listening from, give me a call. I'm Harry Ruiz. Let's go to a break. We'll be right back.